Welcome, everyone, inside the pylon. Another episode of Pylon U. Jeff Fair here, back with Shane Alexander. Getting prepped for the uh, the next week of college football after a great first full week of action. Shane, it was good to have uh, football back and have a full slate of games. Did you enjoy yourself? I did. Uh, my fiance was on her bachelorette trip all weekend, and it was really, oh, yeah, it was the perfect it? time. Uh, she was busy doing her thing at her family's beach house, and so my brother-in-law and I, uh, future brother-in-law, I should say, it had the had the entire house to ourselves, and we literally watched football all weekend and drank beer and eat ate pizza and it was it was just such a guy weekend on the first week of college football so i didn't i didn't leave the house um when i saw sunlight on sunday morning uh, my eyes hurt um but uh it was it was good to be back it was it was so good to to watch the games um you watched it in your parents basement no that's not right you watched it live where were you at this weekend, it, you know, it, the place I was at was closer to my parents' basement than my current house. So you were kind of right. I was in South Bend for uh, Notre Dame, Michigan. It was the you know number one game on my bucket list there. And when they canceled the series four years ago, I thought yep. it was never going to happen. But you you kind of had to suspect that it was going to come back eventually, and it was unbelievable. Uh, obviously, a win helps. But the day, you couldn't have asked for better better weather, although a little humid. But it was supposed to rain, didn't rain a lick. And got to see two good defenses uh, go to battle. And I guess and that's kind of where we're going to start tonight, reviewing last week. Is well, yeah, before Michigan. we get to the action, though, let's just, let's just take a minute. Because like it's not like you went to watch you know, some FCS game, no disrespect. But well, I'm trying not no, to make this about myself right now. I want to talk about the now. experience of, of Michigan-Notre Dame because a lot of you know, people listening, including <clears> myself, um, have never got to see Michigan Notre Dame play, and so just let's not talk about the game yet. I don't want to know about your fan experience. We'll talk about that when we analyze the game. Talk about the the pageantry pregame, just just the 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 energy, the the people maybe you met. Just you know, aside from what we're about to break down, what were your big takeaways from that experience? Well, you know, for someone you know, I've been to this is my thirteenth. 13th Notre Dame game, I try and go, you know, once every year, at least in the last 13 years, do the math. Math is hard. Uh, but, you know, when, math is hard. But as someone that grew up relatively close to campus, just a little over an hour away, and went to football camp there, and you know, grew up everything Irish, it was, it was, it's hard to have something still be unique that you've experienced so many times. And this, this was, it, it just, there was a different feeling walking around that campus. And it, I, you know, I've been to a night game before, uh, Michigan State game a couple years ago, but this was just different. I mean, Michigan fans, Notre Dame fans, everywhere on campus, a lot of blue, a lot of maize and blue, uh, all Notre Dame fans in green. Uh, but if you know, if you ever get the chance to go there, we were we were lucky enough, went with my dad, lucky enough to do the whole, you know, go to the grotto, walked into the walked into the Golden Dome the same time the band was playing a small concert in there. You know, did the whole thing, go to the bookstore, walk around the quads, uh, you know, do the whole the whole thing. It, it just had a different feel. And you could the the bigness of the event was evident. And whether it was opening weekend and this being opening weekend or the renewal, the rivalry, there were a lot of factors at play 
that made this very different. And, you know, watching the band and walk into the stadium was amazing. But, uh, you know, it, there was just a different feeling about it. And it was it was everything that I wanted it to be. And um, like I said, I, I'm guessing that if they didn't win, it would have been a little soured. But they didn't. So it was an amazing day. And I highly recommend it to anyone. For sure. That would be a bucket list game just for the experience. Well, let's get to the football. Um, and let's start there. Number 12, Notre Dame, 24. Number 14, Michigan, 17. A game that was built um, on defense. It was a it was a it was a war. And that's that's a term we throw out. Mm-hmm. But it was truly an old school throwback defensive uh, sort of um, one upsmanship. You know, both both defenses had to really outdo the other. And it was a game that saw not pretty offense uh, from either side, but it was a game that saw enough offense from Notre Dame. There was only 10 total points scored in the second half. Notre Dame only had three points in the second half. Um, Brandon Wimbush had 19 carries, which helped kill the clock and move the chains. He had one touchdown. and But the story of the game was this, Jeff, and I'm going to let you really handle it because you, you were there to analyze it firsthand, but this is just this is kind of what my big thought is. Um, or my first big thought. I talked about it on the pod we both did, talked about it in our article last week, that the most volatile player and therefore the most important player for his team's success in 2018 was Shea Patterson. And he didn't look great. He had 227 yards and one pick, no, no touchdowns. He didn't look great. He didn't look in rhythm. He didn't look in sync with his receivers. But I'll say this, as much as he may be to fault, I think Jim Harbaugh's play calling and stubbornness and the lack of really opening up the offense, um, clock management, especially late in the game when he essentially gave the game away to Notre Dame late and didn't allow Shea Patterson that mm-hmm. offense to really go for it. And so the one of the reasons I was high on Michigan, and it was pure speculation, is because I thought that he would – open up the playbook like he did for Colin Kaepernick back in San Francisco. And really, we just saw more of the same. It was boring, and it was disheartening, and it was disappointing because I think there's more to that offense to be had. But just hats off to both defenses, hats off specifically to Notre Dame's defense. They earned that W. Well, I think there are, that's, the Harbaugh observation is something that you could that most people were pointing to after the game. And he, he got eviscerated by a number of colonists here in Chicago pointing out his inflexibility or inability to change his ways uh, of doing things and unwillingness to tailor his offense around a quarterback who's really known for creating uh, based on his mobility. And where Shea Patterson was successful in this game was getting him outside the pocket on sprint outs, hitting the out patterns, which is was there all day as the Notre Dame corners played off the, off the uh, Michigan receivers trying to prevent anything big. And that was that was clear to me. But if they kept Shea Patterson in the pocket, that front, that defensive front, that we talked about in the preseason, uh, the the preview, and Khalid Kareem who stepped up and had a big game, Dalen Hayes who had a big game, Jerry Tillery who had a big game, Julian Julian Alquara who had a pick, they all factored into this game. And I, I did not come out of that game thinking Michigan is in trouble for the season. I didn't. I just thought that I just thought Notre Dame's defense was the best unit on the field. And it's probably better than we anticipated. Michigan's defense in the second half was outstanding. They made the necessary adjustments, as Don Brown typically does. Uh, but they I don't think Michigan was ready for them to be come out and be punched in the mouth the way they were by Notre Dame. Brandon Wimbush, you know, the stats may not point it out, Shane, but that was a gutty, 
gutty performance by him. And, you know, talk about his inaccuracy last year all you want, but he just went up against probably the best defense he's going to face all year and came out to see the other side. And he made huge plays. There was an 18-yard run on, on I believe third, it was third and 18. Made a escape the pocket. Rayshon Gary and Chase Winovich were in his face the entire game. That Notre Dame offensive line, you know, better get things together. But the tackles were under siege all game by Gary and Winovich, and Wimbush just stepped up and made plays when he had to. So, you know, you you pointed out that the offense was pretty much shut down in the second half. But it, I, I think I think that Michigan will adjust. I think they will see come out of this game seeing what Patterson can do well. Of course, he was. He left the game for a couple series uh, after he got banged up, and uh, we saw little little McCaffrey came in and looked okay, Dylan McCaffrey. But um, no, I think we're I think Michigan is is definitely not down and out for this season, as some people were writing them off after this game. And I think Notre Dame has to improve on stuff. But I think we saw two of the best defenses in the country, and maybe two of the top ten teams in the country when it all comes down really? to it at the so, end of the year. I think you're a little bit more um, optimistic about Michigan than I am. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said, especially on the defensive <clears> side of the ball. I thought Winovich, I mean, he looks, he really looks spectacular. I don't know how how you could tell in person, mm-hmm. but just, you know, he was the guy in the second half in Devin Bush that made a lot of plays. Yep. Uh, but but Notre Dame, Jerry Tillery, um, he's, a, he's a name. You know, there's guys you know in college football, they're named guys. But just from a – from a stock report in terms of projecting to the NFL, you know, a lot of the, the guys I, I follow that are more draft scouts really loved his performance. But just just in general, he put on one of those type of, of performances that will that will be one of the stories of the season. You know, for, for this this uh, this Notre Dame team, he was a guy that just he was all mm-hmm. over the place in the backfield at the line of scrimmage. And I, I was super impressed with him, but. But I'm a little bit more negative, I guess, on Michigan. I'm worried now because, again, I had him in the Big Ten title game, so I'm not trying to sell. I mean, I, I ranked him this week. I'm, I'm not all the way out on them. But I'm just worried that when they go up against Penn State and Ohio State that they won't be able to play the kind of offense, especially against Ohio State, needed to win the game. Hardball took a lot of – sure. Excuse me, a lot of a flack in the last thirty, you know, forty-eight hours or so, and a lot of it from Michigan people, including Braylon Edwards, who was suspended by the Big Ten Network for some tweets on social media. I really feel like that, or I want to hope, I should say, I want to hope that Harbaugh has really gotten the 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 vibe and the effect that hey, something's got to change. Like we 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 just come out, we laid an egg mm-hmm. against a, a team that we need to, we need to beat these kind of teams to be the kind of team. That, that we want to be. And so I'm, I'm optimistic, yeah. like you are, going forward that Michigan will will adapt because talent is there. That defense is too good to be squandered. The offense has playmakers. Mm-hmm. They just have to open up the playbook. Um, I know preseason I was higher on them. If you could just buy or sell a chance that they win that division, you don't have to hold yourself to it. Just gut reaction today. Buy or sell any chance they win that division? Whether they have buy a chance, it? I'd buy okay. it. I'd buy it. Yeah, I mean, there is there a reason to be concerned? Absolutely. But I, I feel like we need to establish this caveat before we talk about any more games. That this yes, is one sure. week. I think I think if we if this was week six and we had five other games previous to it to go off of, we would be analyzing these games differently. And I think, or at least not now, but other people would be analyzing these games differently. I think I feel like it's so reactionary after one week. This was the first game 
for Shea Patterson, sure. Michigan quarterback. I mean, the de- the defenses, the continuity on defenses is absolutely there. But you're talking about a, a lot of young receivers and offensive lines still gelling. And I, I will say the the one gripe I had with Harbaugh's play calling was that they were not very inventive in the run game. They, I thought the pass calls were, were extremely good once they started realizing. I mean, there was not that many straight dropbacks. At least they tried to avoid that. Uh, when they when they didn't avoid it, they got in trouble. All the outside-the-pocket stuff with Patterson worked, but Karan Higdon was fairly stifled. I mean, they were double-teaming Tillery for most of the game, and, whether, and when they weren't double-teaming him, he was doing damage. So that freed up Hayes and Kareem to do damage. But I thought... They need to get the ball in Higdon's hands in different ways. He's a he's their best playmaker on offense, and he was running into the middle of the line the entire game. Just the last thing before we go on to the next topic, college football or college you know, power index, FPI, whatever it's called, from ESPN, they have yeah. Notre Dame favored in every game from here on out. Now, a, a one loss or an undefeated Notre yeah. Dame team makes the playoff. Whether it's right or wrong, we just we know they will. And if they if they win out on this schedule, it's absolutely deserved. Um, buy or sell them as a legitimate playoff contender based on a reaction of one week, caveat the heck out of it, and then just looking at their schedule going forward. <laughs> uh, yes, buying. And I I almost bought it before the season, but again, I'm trying to hold myself to the, hey, calm down, spray a hose in yourself, you're a Notre Dame fan standard. But, I mean, Stanford, they got at home. The Stanford, they always have problems on the road against Stanford. Uh, at Vatech is looming large, especially after Vatech's performance this past week. Uh, I mean, but that's—I mean, what else at USC? I mean, so if you if you take if you if they get through the the schedule one with one loss, I, I think they're sitting pretty. I would I would be shocked if they had more than two losses. Shocked if they had more than two losses. I think I just had a technical. Di- I, just, I think nothing. I just had a technical difficulty, uh, but no, I could I could hear you. Sorry, um, <laughs> it's probably because you said it's probably because you thought you heard me say I think Notre Dame's no, going to no, make no. the playoff. Uh, we're back and we're good. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, we're, <laughs> F it, we'll do it live. Um, no, I think you're right. After after looking at the schedule um, preseason, I thought Michigan was their toughest test. No, I, I do still think they have have a tough schedule, yeah. and, I, and I think there will be a loss or so in there. I think Wimbush is going to have to get better as a passer. Week in, week out, but is it possible? Yeah, should they be really looked at in in that category of teams that can make a playoff? Yes. Uh, let's move on to the next game. Yeah, let's talk your yeah, SEC my- boys tearing up the Pac-12. Uh, you know, as we probably should have seen coming, or at least yeah. I should have seen coming. Uh, Washington, who I had in the playoff to start the year, but you know, with the caveat that I thought they would possibly lose to well, Auburn and go eleven and one or twelve and one had a ton of opportunities in the red zone in this one and could not capitalize whatsoever. I think we we saw on a national stage the issues that Washington is going to have, the limitations of Jake Browning, the the necessity to find another playmaker for uh, for the Huskies to make. and, And, I mean, Auburn, did not look that sharp in this game. No. On offense. They did not look that sharp. Jared should have made plays when he had to, uh, but this game was all about the woes in the red zone and the failed opportunities that were there for Washington. Because I think if, I think you could say if they settle on 50% of those opportunities, they probably win the game. And I'll, pl- I'll play in Auburn that point. But Auburn kind of just 
batting down the hatches and, and withstood the onslaught uh, from from Washington. The thing that stood out to me when I rewatched the game was Auburn's defense is – we, we talked about Auburn's offense a lot in the preseason pod and Stidham and, the, and whether or not the shackles were going to come off, and that was my big point. But the Auburn defense was outstanding in this game. And uh, I, I really – that is a positive going forward. But, Shane, do you think – I'm trying to say, dude, does this game tell you more about the potential mm-hmm. of Auburn or the limitations of Washington? I really think it's six and one and a half dozen the other. But if I, I'll answer it this way. I think it tells me more about Auburn because I wasn't as high on Washington coming in. I didn't think that win or lose they would make the playoff. Um, right. So I will say it shows me more about Auburn. Their defense is mighty mm-hmm. good. Uh, mighty good. Um, yeah. They. Let me start with the offense, though. We all know that Malzahn wants to be the type of guy that runs a, a power spread, really an inverted type wing tee offense, but he's finally got a guy in Stidham that can throw the ball, and he has a, an offensive coordinator in Chip Lindsey that um, is capable to call a, a spread passing game and they have the receivers to to be that type of offense. I still think that there is some sort of um, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's hostility. I just think it's uncomfortable um, play calling. Uh, I don't know if Malzahn gets in Lindsey's way or if Lindsey is not fully adapted to to being at Auburn. But the play calling and then just the rhythm of the offense is still lacking for me. But thankfully, they got a hard test out of the way, and they can move on to an easier game and really get that worked out. What I saw was they've got to get their red zone worked out, and they can work on that in practice. They can work on yeah. – One for six. But I feel like up until that point, there's enough there that gives me hope going forward. Um, once they figure out who – their their bell cow is and you know again the last couple of years uh, it's it's taken them a little bit of time um really since trey mason you know th- mm-hmm. they've kind of let whoever was the guy win the job before just handing it to him jartavius whitlow um mm-hmm. yeah, cam martin both of those guys are going to get a lot of carries i think they'll let let those guys kind of flesh it out and and decide who's who's the, the main running back in, in that offense um and then on, on, in the receiving core, Ryan Davis and Darius Slayton and Nate Craig Myers, those guys can be big-time receivers. So I believe they'll get it worked out. What really, what really, mm-hmm. really, really showed up for me was defense. Daryl Williams, Deshaun Javis, Daniel Thomas, and Jeremiah Denson, they all had more than seven tackles. Denson with a big sack. Um, Coe got in the backfield. Dontavious Russell uh, on the defensive line that he got in the backfield. That, that line can compete with LSU and with Bama um, and with Georgia mm-hmm. and Mississippi State, the big teams in the SEC. And I think their offense will get in line and will find rhythm as the season progresses. They get Alabama State next week. That's a get-right game. And then they got LSU. And then that's when we'll see, I guess for real, if this Auburn offense can become what it has the potential to be or if it's going to be the downfall of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's something when guys like Marlon Davidson and Derrick Brown, two of the biggest names in the Auburn defense, really don't do much in this game. Yet they get a 
you know, the, all these other star players that really came through. Uh, Ryan Davis is going to be a, one of the most versatile weapons in college football. He gave Washington fits in this one. And, I mean, it's so hard to win going one of six from opportunities inside the 40 as far as generating points yeah. for Washington. I mean, that I guess that does give you hope. For what I mean, it should give Washington fans hope because that's not going to happen all the time. And getting to getting in the red zone is more you know indicative of what they're probably capable of than, than being shut out. But I think obviously they'll bounce back next week against North Dakota. But Trey, the news came down later 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 after the game that Trey Adams, their star offensive tackle and my Outland Trophy winner, is out for the year. Uh, thankfully, they have a solid offensive line up and down, but uh, that's a big that's a big. Uh, that's a big hit right there. And then the, uh, they found a yeah. star on Aaron Fuller at wide receiver. Aaron Fuller played really well, and we were talking about a replacement for Dante Pettis, and it looks like you know with him and Chico McClatcher, they're going to be just fine. It's just a matter of capitalizing on those opportunities because they capitalize on, on three out of six as opposed to one out of six, and we're talking about this game in a totally different They're way. not going to play defenses like Auburn's week in and week out, but Miles Gaskin didn't look great. He had, you know, had a long run, but he, he was bottled up most of the game. Jake Browning showed he's a nice quarterback, real good college quarterback, but very limited. Um, and yep. but against you know against the Pac-12 and a lot of these defenses, he'll be okay. Washington will be fine, but they still got Stanford, they still got Oregon. They go to Utah, which is a buzzsaw for a lot of a lot of teams. So this loss, um, mm-hmm. as much as any team this weekend that lost, they're fine, but. It is mm-hmm. they're they really are probably one loss away from their playoff hopes being shot. They're not out of it. They can win out. They'll be in the playoff, but they've got to win out from here. Um, let's go to the next game, number twenty-five LSU, thirty-three. Number eight Miami, seventeen. Um, Boy, were we wrong. And we're just and all we care about is getting right again. You know, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses. Huh. And say, well, this no LSU. It was it was damn impressive. I mean, it was very impressive. Mm-hmm. I think I can speak for both of us. We we've been very Please yeah we've do. been very critical and doubtful of of Ed Orgeron. It's not that he can't recruit; he absolutely can. It's not that he's not a tremendous like coach, mentor, and and recruiter. He absolutely is. Both of our worries have been: you've got a raw raw guy that doesn't really know how to be a coach. And so, for that reason, mm-hmm. we both thought, you know, this is a year where LSU's offense is going to be the same old, same old, stuck in 1995, lack of weapons, lack of quarterback, um, you know, scored in the high teens, low 20s. Their defense will be great, but they're not going to be able to keep up with modern offenses. You know, it's a 7-5, and 8-4 and four year, and, and Ed Ordron's out the door. Now, that still might happen, but it looks a lot less likely after one week because – the defense looked great. I mean, even better than I expected. Probably top two defensive performance. Maybe up until that late kind of throwaway score, it was the best defensive performance up mm-hmm. there with with Notre Dame and Michigan this this week. Um, sure, Devin White is tremendous. He is picking up that Roquan Smith mantle of the SEC linebacker that just sideline to sideline, meet him in the hole, whatever. He's tremendous. And then they found their. I was thinking about this the other night. LSU offense is the exact mm-hmm. same every year. This one just may just be a little more developed. They've got hog mollies. They've got some generic white quarterback, underused weapons on the outside, some stumpy, 
just Louisiana running back that's just like a world beater, and then some crazy white fullback, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they've got this year. Um, but no, seriously, Brissett looked great at running back in the second half, breaking off some runs. Uh, and Burrow was not – he really was not that effective. Like, if you just bought score scout and you efficiency scout, Joe Burrow was not that good. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't he wasn't detrimental to the team, which has bitten them so – he didn't, didn't turn, turn the, the ball, ball over. over. And so that's all they needed. And Miami just – they're a paper tiger. That They looked – they looked like what Mark Rick teams looked like towards the end at Georgia, where there was all hype and then just a lot of fizzle. Um, there's a long way to go for Miami, mm-hmm. but we just got to give LSU their credit. If they play like this, they can play with any team in the country. Certainly, yeah, and they've won national titles with the same formula that you t- you talk you talk. The, the previous struggles have been inconsistency on defense, and you know. The holding on to the ball. I mean, the inability to grind out yards the at opportune moments. And if they're able to do that, then, you know, God willing, LSU is going to be in the talk at the end of the year. But, I mean, my I had a, I just was so disappointed in Miami, a team that, you know, we talked about in the preseason pod of, of how are they going to deal with success. This is them on a national stage against a team in LSU that, you know, is, is not is – people are doubting them. Yeah. And they had a chance to to kind of ca- to capitalize on that. They couldn't. Their old line absolutely looks, couldn't. And they their, their old line looked terrible. It's, Shane, that was, and I think that's my biggest takeaway from this entire weekend. If we're talking about units that were surprises, that were disappointments, that Miami offensive line was a total disappointment because everything you read coming up to the year about Malik Rozier and his place as a leader in that Miami Hur- Hurricanes locker room, and it, it, it was almost like he he. Like he cheated on all these offensive linemen or something. Or he, like he, he stole money from them. The way they were they were not protecting him in this game. It was it was rugged. I mean the LSU defense is is, is very good, but I mean Malik Rozier had no time to breathe. And it's I mean now the questions arise: Is Perry going to come in at quarterback for Miami? Is this whole season you know in turmoil after one game? Are they going to be able to regroup and kind of? I mean they have an easy relatively easy schedule going to Savannah State or home against Savannah State at Toledo, Florida International, and North Carolina, and Florida State at home. So, I mean, the rest of the way, the schedule is fairly doable to go undefeated until November 17th against Virginia Tech. But, you know, we've seen teams before, Shane, have a, a real downer and a letdown in a big game. Think Florida State last year and a neutral, and a Florida, neutral site. Florida State this state. year. <laughs> <laughs> Segway. But... You know the Miami team is just that was just disappointing, especially when we're talking about a, a team that now laden full of veterans that have been starting for three years. Yeah, and a coach and Mark Richt who should know what's coming. Yeah, you wrote travel location in neutral games matter, duh. Um, and it duh. really was a home yeah. home game for LSU. <laughs> really? um, yeah, and and also yeah, Malik Rozier is so limited. They made a great point on the broadcast, and after they said it, like it was obvious before, but it's just like so much more apparent. All Miami's play calls. Or either literally RPOs at the line of scrimmage, where or not really run, not really run pass options, just run options right. with the quarterback or the running back. So just pure option, or or an RPO with a throw, you know, twenty five yard downfield. There was no intermediate. There was not even short passing game. It was all just bombs, mm-hmm. posts, di- you know, uh, deep digs, what have you, corner routes or deep crossers, or it was you know, line of scrimmage stuff. Rosier doesn't have a short game or an intermediate game. 
and it became predictable. And when you've got athletes like LSU, you know, you can just play coverage, and it's just you know, he, Rozier hit some really teardrop throws, but for the most part, it was you know he couldn't do anything. And so if he's going to be that limited. They're going to have to look, I think, to Perry. He was suspended this game, didn't make the trip. I don't know what all that was about. But if he is able to get right with Mark Richt, you would think they would need to sure. give him a look because Rozier is just not going to be the guy um, in every situation for you. Um, segue that, uh, underwhelming yeah. performances. I, this was the hardest game for me to pick this week. Um, I went back and forth and – I liked Vatek more going into this game overall. I mean, I even mm-hmm. told you uh, before the first pod, you know, I was thinking about picking Vatek to win the division over Miami, who I really liked. But I picked Florida State to win it because of home and just like just something about that first game. I thought Florida State with their friend Swah, there was a lot of positive energy. Everybody's coming back. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's feeling good. But it mm-hmm. was, man, it was a butt kicking. That defense, Vatek yeah. is just like, you know, they get they get four star guys every once in a while. They have some, you know, top thirty recruiting classes. Bud Foster is just a statesman of college football I and mean, hope he coaches forever because all he does is is coach up guys. They lose guys to the pros, he replaces them. Um they look great. And they shut down a very um erratic Florida State team that looked way they could they looked way ahead of themselves it was like watching some you know it's like watching a, a, ch- a child try to run before they can walk you know they just couldn't get their feet from under them uh up under them mm-hmm. and and Vatek was just poised uh Justin Fuente who we were doing the pod when he got hired at Vatek um yep. his first year and I I think he is quickly becoming the worst kept secret in college football because people are going to know him nationally by by the end of the year, um, and I don't know if he'll want to leave Vatek, but he may have the the uh, the ability to. Um, from the Florida State side, there we both ranked them, um, and I think they probably are a top twenty five team in a vacuum. But they've got a long way to mm-hmm. go. The offensive line, sure, is terrible. Cam Akers looked very mm-hmm. bad, and Francois three picks. You know the, the throws are there. He can make all the throws. He can make the throws that Rozier can't. But he also just makes a lot of poor decisions, and, and his his receivers didn't help him out sometimes as well. It was just it was the worst possible game one to get the Willie Taggart era started. Well, and to have it happen at home, yeah. especially when you know last season, the biggest thing is after that first game against Alabama, they just looked like they didn't care the rest of the season. Then all the Jimbo rumors come down, and they just look like a disorganized, dysfunctional mess the rest of the year. So. Having a the stability at head coach uh, for a guy that we thought would be a fit for the job, and again, he 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 probably he still very well could be. It's one game, I guess. I'm not trying to say he's not right now, but it's just surprising to see them look that same brand of dysfunctional, disorganized now after having a whole off season to kind of reflect on what happened last season. So it, it was very confusing to me, uh, given the the off the field stuff that happened to Virginia Tech this year with some guys transferring out, but. You know, Justin Fuente, as you said, you know, showing himself to be a guy that is going to be prepared for maybe even a bigger head coaching opportunity down the road. And we absolutely need to come up with the nickname for these guys like Bud Foster and Brett Venables that, um, you know, may, may know their role as defensive coordinator and want that to be the end all be all of it. But, you know, DeAndre Francois, I mean, they need to get they need to get right. They've got weapons on offense. They've got the ability to do more. That offensive line has been a problem the last couple of years. 
I remember talking about Florida State before last season, offensive line was a problem. But it shouldn't be a problem for a team that recruits top-level talent uh, at the position. Do you remember um, so, Do you remember uh, back in the day in wrestling with the Four Horsemen, uh, the enforcer Arn Anderson? Did you watch wrestling? I didn't watch wrestling. God, no, I did almighty. not watch wrestling. All right, cut the, sh- cut the pod. Cut the pod now. Cut the pod because I don't watch wrestling? Yes. You're... You you grew up in the eighties and you didn't watch wrestling. I grew up in the eighties. I was born in eighty three. Yeah, you're a child of the eighties. You didn't watch wrestling. All right. Yeah, I wasn't five years old watching. Okay, wrestling. Okay. All right. Jesus. I'm not talking to you. I'm going to talk to the people listening. There was a wrestler growing up in the in the most famous wrestling faction of all time. He was called the Enforcer. His name was Arn Anderson. He never won the heavyweight title. He wasn't he wasn't the glitz and the glamour wrestler. He just covered Ric Flair's back. That's Bud Foster. He's the enforcer. He does it. He's not flashy. He's he's never going to win the heavyweight title. He's just going to have his coaches back. Shane, this guy looks like you. Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson looks like a jacked up version of you without glasses. I couldn't. I couldn't disagree more. But I'm all for that comparison. If you want to call me the enforcer, okay. I think I'm more myself as the Ric Flair type. But no, I, I'm not calling you the. But enforcer I, you know, I'm the dirtiest player in the game. I'm Ric Flair. Okay. No, seriously, Bud Foster's the info. That's I. Can, I thought we were gonna have a good you know, rat-a-tat about about eighties wrestling just then, and I. Just, <laughs> well, sir, barking up the wrong tree there. Let's go back to speaking the speaking of barking up the wrong tree. Um, Ao FAU Oklahoma Florida <laughs> Oklahoma Florida uh, Atlantic. Moving on, yeah. let's just skip that one. No, seriously, I mean it, 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 two things. One, it's week one, and. Yes, it, it, things happen. But Florida Atlantic is not a bad team. They're going to win Conference USA but, most likely. They won but, 11 games ooh, last boy, year. boy, did everybody did everybody and their brother come out of the woodwork to take the points in this You one. and I did. Everybody Everyone did. said Lane most was going to go up did. there. Kyler Murray, first game. He's mine's on baseball. How does Oklahoma replace people? Not just the experts said this. We said this, too. <laughs> the unexperts. Um <laughs> And it was a bloodbath. Kyler Murray looked like a video game player. Uh, you called him Seneca yeah. Wallace. Um, I, I call him coked up Seneca coked Wallace. Up. He was like he was like Seneca Wallace because Seneca Wallace at Iowa State yeah. looked like the kid who was playing with kids that were not as good as yeah. him, mainly because he was. Kyler Murray was playing with guys that are on the same level as him and was making them look silly. I mean, yeah. It, 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 I mean, I... I mean, I shouldn't say Florida Atlantic, but the guys on his team, yes. like he just looked like the best player on the field, on the field by yes, far. Yes, it was incredible. Lincoln Riley, I tweeted this. I tweeted this on the old Twitter account. Uh, I, I tweeted it this weekend. Outside of like the the four major head coaches that we all know, um, which I would say is Saban, Urban Meyer, Dabo, and then Kirby Smart's kind of entering that with Georgia, I think, if he can do it again this year. But there was no no coach in college football I'd rather have than Lincoln Riley. Um, offensive innovation, personality, the job he's got now at Oklahoma. I mean, it's just they're they're tremendous. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was a little bit again, I picked them to win the Big Twelve, but I also thought they would lose a game, maybe two, just in a not really a transition year, but it's hard to go undefeated every year. They look like a playoff team. I know it's one week, but let's mm-hmm. just get excited about football. It's back. They look like a playoff team. Um, Number yeah, let's go number seventeen, one. West Virginia forty, uh, on mm-hmm. the back of my Will Greer um, for Heisman, five touchdowns. They beat Tennessee fourteen. Uh, Greer has five touchdowns. The receiving core led by Seals and Jennings, 
Um, look amazing. A little bit of defense was played in the game by West Virginia. They're starting they're, they're starting eleven is good. They're starting eleven is probably very good. What West Virginia's problem is is the twelfth player and on on the side of on that side of the ball. And if they can rotate right. guys, stay energetic, stay healthy, um, stay consistent, stay disciplined football. If they can front run on teams, this is the type of game you can see. I think what everybody worries about is if they get behind or if it's close, can their defense drag out a game? But they looked they mm-hmm. looked really, really good against an SEC team, against an SEC team coached by Jeremy Pruitt, who in a loss you could still see a much more energetic team. Because this game was close mm-hmm. for a while. It was close for a while, yeah. and then it just got out of hand. But they looked a lot more energetic in a, in a, in a big loss than any of Butch Jones' teams did last year. Um why don't you like West Virginia still? <laughs> I I told you I have no problem with West Virginia. I mean, yeah. the, the offense was everything was cracked up to be. Uh, you know, going up against you know, regardless of what you think about Tennessee, it's SEC athletes, and Will Greer put it up four four hundo and five touchdowns. Uh, my boy Gary Jennings is out there doing his thing, but you know the the. I guess before the season when we talked about their defense and our concerns about their defense, it was more or less it was not because of the personnel that was there. It's because we haven't seen it yet from a squad under Dana Holgerson. It's always been an issue, especially especially when they have teams that appear as if they're going to do some damage. And, I mean, their best defense, they, 2015 is the last time they were under 30 points a game. It's happened a couple times, but, I mean, that's really the bar that we're setting here. Like, all they have to do, this is maybe the best offense they're going to ever have at West Virginia. And that's that's saying something, whether it's Geno Smith when he was there and Tavon Austin. But I think that the potential with Will Greer and those still, uh, still in Gary Jennings is there to have the best offense they've had. If they want to do some damage, it's really just hold them under 30 points, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I think if you if you could hold Oklahoma under thirty points, you you would probably win that game. Well, I have a feeling that that game's going to go a little over. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of going over, yes. Texas, oh. Texas. I love I love you trying to segue everything here. It's very nice. No, they you know like it's a wrestling term is going over, and the two people that listen to this pod that like wrestling would understand that. But it was a bad segue, but it was a topical segue if you got the joke. Texas went over to Maryland, thirty four to twenty nine. Texas not back, um, and they looked bad. I mean, you know, that was it. That was an interesting subtweet there of me. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I had him ranked too. I, I was very shocked by this loss, I, especially considering the, the fact they they have they have talent. They the obviously have one of the the best ta- uh, coaches in college football, best up and coming coaches in college football, and they just got out coached by a team. And I don't want to make light of this at all. They they out coached by did a the team. strip club play a factor? Um, did the strip club news play a factor? It's a serious question. Okay. Okay. I didn't know Not how you were going with that. Not really. Um, no, I, I don't know. I don't know because I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. It really is. It didn't move on. Uh, it didn't but, move but on. But I think the credit has to go to Maryland because, and I want to be serious about this. They're yeah. dealing with the death of a, of, a, of a teammate. They they honored him sure. in in the in the game. The first play of the game, they came out with ten men. They Texas declined the penalty. It was a great gesture. And after the game, Matt Canada was very emotional um, about it. You know. 
they've had a rough offseason. Their coaches on uh, mm-hmm. leave of absence. They've had to fire their strength and conditioning coach. Matt Canada, this is his first year at Maryland. He's the interim head coach. You know, they went out and they just played They played a heck of a game. So just hats off to Maryland. But Texas has a, has a long way to go. These perennial powers that are trying to get back, and we all want them to be back, they're definitely not back yet. Um, yeah, it, it, on this, I mean, in Maryland didn't really even play their best game on offense. They've got they've got some weapons in DJ Turner and Tavian Jacobs and Ty Johnson, but they really didn't even play their best game on offense. This was this was kind of a a, a hold on for dear life. We've got some players. Let's try and get it done. Yeah. They've got and you really saw on, on defense. The they brought in some transfers the last few years, and Byron Cowart and Trey Watson from Illinois and Marcus Lewis from Florida State all had an impact in this game. So it's interesting to see these these Power Five non top level teams bringing in transfers that have an immediate impact, and kind of if they're not able to get the top level recruits, trying to find another market inefficiency to get players into their pipeline, and this that that showed its that showed itself in this game. To That's me. a good point. Former number one. Uh, ranked defensive end Auburn commit Byron Cowart. Um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to let's, no. Go ahead. What was that? No, you're, let's go to your number one Alabama, fifty-one fourteen over Louisville. Louisville talking a little trash like a couple months ago, throughout the last couple months, and I think we all knew could have expected this was coming, and the the thrashing that they administered to the Cardinals on Saturday. On Saturday, I, I don't understand why you would be as a Louisville player, decided it was a good idea to trash talk Alabama. Uh, Tua came out, showed why he got the job, looked mighty impressive. Uh, articles coming out already about why he's the greatest quarterback in college football, which I will take issue with. But I don't mean to rain on the parade because he looked – And I should point this out. The media response to the quarterback situation is not – Alabama's absolutely fault. like that's the media that's the media being the media absolutely whether it's people calling Tua to being the best quarterback ever or people getting on Saban about his response to Maria Taylor in the out in the post game which probably wasn't appropriate but you understand where he's coming from there uh, Alabama responded against a, a you know a pretty decent I'm guessing a bowl bound team uh, and made it look pretty easy and I, I think a star was born another star was born in this game too Shane. And that's a guy that was already on people's radars, but I think the national audience got to take in a little Deontay Thompson mm. and see what he was all about. And then a guy that you know we've raved about for a while now, and Jerry Judy looked mm. looked very good. And we talked about how Alabama's probably got its best perimeter weapons they've had in the Saban tenure. And, and now with the best passing quarterback they've had, we're we have a potential of seeing a new type of Bama. But you know, talk a little bit about you know Deontay Thompson and Tua, and these new guys are taking the reins, taking the mantle for this Bama team. Yeah, I think that's interesting how you put it. Um, seeing a new type of Bama, I just I said this after the national championship game. <laughs> like mm-hmm. everybody, and I'll pat myself on the back. I told everybody this is going to happen since January, and I don't have any connections at Alabama. But it's just I think everybody likes to make more of what uh, it is, and you know sometimes when you're so close to a program, is is you kind of miss the forest for the trees, but I actually think I do a pretty good job of not falling in that trap. And for me, it was just mm-hmm. it was obvious from from January, knowing what I know about Saban, knowing what I know about the the program, that two was going to be the starter. And the you're 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 exactly right. The only reason that this is as big of a story is because it's media concocted. Go back to every quarterback battle 
where there wasn't a um, incumbent quarterback. And say what you want to, Jalen Jalen Hurts is not the incumbent after the national title game performance. Every year that there has not been an incumbent quarterback, there has been an open battle into at least the first, if not first, two or three games of the season. He's not named a starter. Someone has to take a first snap, sure. But, you know, three or four years ago, Jake Coker was supposed to be the guy. He comes from Florida State. Blake Sims wins that job. Uh, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. Blake Barnett, number one quarterback in the country, coming to Bama. He's Lane Kiffin's you know, dream quarterback. It's it, He's going to be the guy that Tua looks like he is. Jalen Hurts wins that job, and now now Tua wins the job because at the end of the day, all Saban cares about is winning. He cares about uh, effectiveness and efficiency, and he cares about leadership, and Tua has all those things. It's not that Hurts doesn't. It's just that Hurts doesn't give them the dynamic that Tua does. And so I was not shocked that Tua took the first nap. I told you he would, and he did. And But even I was surprised at just how insane he looks. Everything he does looks, it's honestly like, it seems like a more composed Manziel. Um, someone on Twitter hmm. someone on Twitter said maybe a more athletic Wisconsin version, Russell Wilson. And I can get behind that too. Um, it's It was just an incredible performance. With with him there, I don't know if they lose. Um it's I, I've never seen anything like it. The offensive line looked pretty good. There's still some stuff to get worked out there. Um, run. Can I give you my crazy comp? Uh, can I guess it? You're sure. gonna say Doug Flutie? Okay, no. good. Go on. ahead. No. A more athletic Matt Leinart. All right. Well, you're done with the comps. Um, no, seriously. Ex- Why? Explain it. Because he's left-handed. Yes, it's it's just the left-handed thing. No, his the composure. Okay. The composure and the the fact the game I mean, Matt Liner at USC, not in Arizona. Right. The game looked slow. Yeah, it really did. The game just looked like it was coming. It was calm. He was collected, and you know Matt Liner obviously was a statue in the pocket. But at the same time, that's that's just the first one that came in my head. If you let me work on it for a little while, but I and you got to come on. Matt Liner was one of the best college quarterbacks we've had. Hundred so. percent. Uh, that, I mean, yeah, that, that's actually. I mean, yeah. If you if you caveat the fact that two is like three times athletic, I can totally see. I'm, what What was the first thing I said? Yeah, a more athletic, much more athletic. Yeah. Okay, we should say an athletic. Yeah, it just caught me yeah, off guard. It didn't catch me off guard as much as someone on ESPN calling him the football version of LeBron, but um, it just caught me off guard. Oh. But no, seriously, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to not get serious. Uh, Let's 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 run through a few more of these these games. Okay, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna wax on about Tua many more times. Okay. this year we're gonna have but Deontay Thompson's okay. really good. That's all I got to yeah. say. We haven't even got to Deontay Thompson. Oh Jesus, I'm sorry. Deontay Thompson is really good. Yeah, like he's best safety in the next draft. Yeah, for sure. And he's he's not he's okay. not. I don't think he's as good as Minka Fitzpatrick was last year. He's definitely not because Minka is just a different kind of safety. But he's different. But he's so different. Yeah, he's, he's different. He's like Ha Ha Clinton Dix, where you can put him back in the you can put him back at center field, and he just so rangy. He is incredible, and he adds a really an interesting dynamic because a lot of the cornerbacks in front of him are younger, and so the fact that you can put him back there and let him be rangy and let him cover. Um, is an important dynamic to that defense. So he was just, yeah, he was spectacular. Let's let's move on it's, to some quick kits because we will. We're going to talk about Bama yeah. every week, and this game wasn't important. It was just a, it was just a fun <laughs> fun game to watch. 
Right, number 21, Central Florida, 56-17 over UConn. Saw it coming. Didn't know how they were going to respond without Scott Frost. Clearly, they did against a conference opponent. Mackenzie Milton keeps it going after a strong year last year. Could be, I mean, top five Heisman guy, um, maybe yep. this week, and he's trending up because they're going to be favored in probably every game they play. Uh, number four, Wisconsin, 34, Western Kentucky, three. Kind of a sluggish start. Jonathan Taylor had a pretty yep. good game, a really good game, I guess. Yep. But a little bit of a sure. sluggish start. You get the W, you keep rolling. Wisconsin's not always going to win you know, the 60-3 blowout game. The W's important. Mm-hmm. Number 11, Michigan State, 38, Utah State, 31. This game was ugly. I watched this game Friday night. It was ugly. It was brutal. Michigan, it was the worst. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes about Michigan State when they're when they're playing average or playing bad, and they lived up to every one of them. Lewerke didn't look great. L.J. Scott, I thought, was the most consistent part of that game for Michigan mm-hmm. State, and he's probably Rodney Anderson's probably the best running back in college football. But but L.J. Scott's my favorite. I've just always been a big fan. But there's a lot of work to do to get that defense and offense right. You kind of expected right. this more than I did, though. As far as maybe a little again, bit of regression. It's, again, it's one, it's game. one game. It's one game. And Utah it's State with Matt Wells I, are a very, very tough group of five team. Yeah, Jordan Love's decent quarterback for Utah State, and I, I just think, I, I think Michigan State. This was this was not as bad as they are, but I just don't see how they're going to be as good as people like top fifteen good this year. Another one. I was sweating, and I was texting you while I was in South Bend. Yeah, you're national champion. My phone. You're national champions. Hold on a second. Not my national champion. It's just funny. Like last year, I was down on Penn State. Now I'm up on them, and I, it's a roller coaster of emotions. But they held on. I shouldn't say held on. They stole the game from Appalachian State, forty-five thirty-eight. Uh, well, they deserved it. They scheduled them. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not the same as when Michigan beat them, but the same because they're now they're in the. FBS, but at the same time, maybe you shouldn't book a program that has won ten nine to ten games every, every year. year yeah, since they've they're been they're, in the FBS. they're the best team probably year in year out in the Sun Belt. And it's like that meme on Facebook where it's like if Bill Belichick calls, just hang up. You know, if if App State's mm-hmm. you know athletic director calls to schedule a one a home and home, say no. say no, just hang up the phone. Yep. Penn State's got yep. you know this is James Franklin though. The knock on James Franklin as a coach by his own peers. Is that he's not a great game manager. You know, he's there, there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of volatility. There's a lot of it's a roller coaster. And so you saw yep. that against App State. They got to clean that up. Now they can score, they can be fine, but they've got they've got to clean it up. Um, Ohio State seventy seven, Oregon State thirty one. It was an absolute gross offensive performance from quarterback Dwayne Has- Haskins, Dobbins, Weber. They're loaded. Nick Bosa two fumble recoveries, one for a touchdown. It was just a you know it was a box score. Um, it, it was a gem of a game to watch if you're just looking to box score scout. But I mean, thirty-one points given up. You know this. If I can. Oh no! Yeah, no, no, no. thirty-one points to Oregon no, State, no. bottom ten team in FBS. Like you got to find something wrong with every game. They just got to clean up that. If you're front running that heavy, just put your foot on their throat. Just cut the throat. Don't give up that's, 31 points. That's pace, of, that's pace of the game. They were playing backups at that point. It's not – come on. Their third string and fourth string is better than Oregon State's first string. I just – look, it's discipline. Finish the game. Don't give up 31 points. But they, they look stupid good. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we all saw that Dwayne Haskins' upside is probably far and away better than JT Barrett's upside. Oh, yeah. He's, yes. 
Haskins looks like a pro, yes. like a pro body. Yeah, he looked. What? Well, Go ahead. And it's funny they were talking about having a, a debate with Tate Martell. Tate Martell came in a little bit in this game, but Dwayne Haskins yeah. looked. No, like yeah, fu- again, future, um, future you know, Northern Illinois Husky. Uh, Tate Martell, Tate Martell. Yeah. <laughs> um, former Ohio, Bo- future Ohio Bobcat, Tate Martell. Yeah. Uh, uh, Thirty-one, uh, excuse me, number thirteen, Stanford thirty-one, San Diego State ten. CJ Costello looked really fun, but uh, mm-hmm. but the highlight was JJ. Also, KJ Costello looked good. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I know what JJ you meant. JJ Arcega Whiteside, three touchdowns, six hundred and thirty-two yards, approximately now two hundred twenty-six officially. Yep. Uh, three touchdowns, and man, I mean, he was he was on everybody's radar coming in. It's not like he just came out of nowhere, but he goes to yeah. the top of the Blitnikoff watch list. He's got to be he's going to be on some you know week one Heisman's, and then as far as just being a pro prospect, I mean, he's a big body dude that can really win mm-hmm. at the catch point in just an attractive way, and he he was the star of the show. I'll be really excited to watch him going forward. Bryce Love was shut down. If defense is key on them week in week out. I think the offense yep. can can really be the the saving grace to that team, and and Whiteside looked really good. Um, I think I mean I think this could have been the best thing to happen to Stanford this year was having Bryce Love shut out like this in the first game because it showed teams yeah. that when they get that tape that KJ Costello is going to have to be prepared for, and Arcega Whiteside and Trent Irwin and Caden Smith are going to have to be prepared for. So that's probably the best thing to happen. But better it happen now than late in the season when you need Bryce Love to respond. Uh, Hawaii hanging on against Navy in another just bonkers, bonkers offensive game from Hawaii yeah. from uh, quarterback Cole McDonald, a guy that was on very few people's radars early in the season. But, not ours here I at mean, Pylon U. I'll be, not, not a, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But a, a little memories of Timmy Chang and Colt Brennan going on with Hawaii. I mean, you wonder – if this is just a two-game flash in the pan, or if it's something sustainable? Yeah, I wrote the I wrote the wrong score down in our show notes. I, I, it was fifty-nine to forty-one Hawaii, and Cole McDonald had six touchdowns. Holding on, yeah, that's they. I mean, they, we're not going to talk a lot about it, but after being down for several years, they you know they're running a new system now. It's sort of pistol based, and they look. You know, so I said Hawaii two is two and was the tagline in the show notes, and they're just a fun team to watch going forward. No one was expecting them to have a really good season. You now they're two and with a trillion yards, and Cole McDonald is a name on all of the college football guys' radar. So something to look forward. Um, going on through the rest of the season, Northwestern thirty one, Purdue twenty seven. Um, which was the most important game of of the the, the uh, late week games before the weekend kickoff, and Northwestern just gets the job done. Um, I, I think this is a team to be reckoned with again. They finished the year ranked, but it was a fun game. I don't think I don't think Jeff Brom's guys have to hang their head. They have to figure out the quarterback position though, because that was really the detriment to them. Uh, was just not having yeah. great quarterback play, but they battled. You know, they got they've got offensive guys, and and Rondell Moore, uh, Rondell Moore looks like the next big breakout star in the Big Ten. I mean, he honestly, like I was just watching it. It's an easy comp. I was like, that's Percy Harvin. Like that kid can't be stopped. Hmm. He was lining up in the backfield. He was lining up in slot out wide. They were throwing screens. Northwestern had a lot of of trouble corralling him, but Jeremy Larkin for them looked really good at running back. They did a. They did a quarterback rotation, so I'm interested to see what the deal is with that. But, mm-hmm. but I mean, again, Purdue's a fine team, and Northwestern looks like they could be on their way to being ranked. 
Um, Ole Miss 47, yep. Texas Tech 27. Um, really the only thing to say here is this. Ole Miss has three wide receivers that are going to play on Sundays in Brown, Metcalf, and Lodge. And I'm just going to throw this out after one week, an overreaction. Is Jordan Tamu a better quarterback for Ole Miss than Shea Patterson would have been? I say yes. I agree. I agree. I think that's I think that's the case. I think you're Jordan Tamu. I mean, as long as you get the ball to those three guys, I think you're better off. That's Shea Patterson. I mean, that it's well known in big games he struggled a little miss, and they're going to have some big games. They need to get the they need to get the ball in those guys' hands. But I think we're going to have no more when they play a tougher competition besides Texas Tech. I mean, I, Texas Tech is I, I don't right. think they're they're going to Bama. Have I don't think this is going to be a, Bama at Ole Miss week three will tell us a lot about both teams. And if there is a snake bite on the schedule for Bama, I think that would be it. Ooh, we'll see. I, I should mention this before. I forgot to neglect it. Usually when Northwestern has a big first game and they come up big, they have a letdown the next That's week. That's a good point. So I should let you get that in. Be wary yeah. of that. Uh, BYU-Arizona. Uh, I saw the fourth quarter of this game because I've, Finally got back. I saw the whole Saturday game. It night. was terrible. I know it was uh, our our love of Arizona just a few days before it soured in one fell swoop. But again, the one game. But BYU certainly acted like they certainly seemed like the more prepared, yeah. well rounded team. That was exactly that's a good and way then, to put it. Prepared because someone's bunch did not look prepared. It, Tate did not look like he yes. really felt comfortable yet in that offense. No, and that's it's disconcerting because I think we were both excited about Tate and that offense. And now 22 Boise State, 56-20 to 20 over Troy. Your Troy Trojans struggled, yeah. struggled mightily. And Boise State looked like the group of five team that we expected them, best group of five team, as we both called them last week, that we expected them to be. And hopefully this will carry over to the Mountain West schedule. Uh Shane, should we dive into our uh, next week, our Heisman picks real yeah, quick? Yeah, let's hit up on our top five, and then we'll pick make the picks for okay. next week. Uh, Jeff, you go okay. first, uh, five through one. Kyler Murray, Oklahoma, Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State, Mackenzie Milton, Central Florida, Will Greer, West Virginia, and Ed Oliver from Houston, who had a huge first game, albeit against Rice. But uh, adding three tackles for loss to his career total is nothing to uh, shake your head at. And I always like plugging the defensive guy in there. Should be known that none of my top five from the preseason top five are in there right now. Good job picking. Jeff. No, I mean, I Shane, think, well, five. just real quick. I think, and I tweeted this, the biggest change that you should make it, between your projections and everything should come from week one, from preseason uh, or week one to week two because you've – You've, you yeah. you finally see teams. A lot of this stuff is projection. Now we kind of know a little bit of the direction some of this is headed, and we can make a more educated um, projection. So, you know, no shame in, in switching up your t- your Heisman. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not upset. You're what? Are your five. Who your five? Will Greer's one. Uh, he remains there after five touchdowns. Two attack of Aloha. If if Bama if Bama goes undefeated, he plays like this every week, whether he deserved it or not, which I think he would. He would be in the Heisman. Uh, Kyler married three, Mackenzie Milton four, and Dwayne Haskins rounding out my top five. Let's go to next week's games, mm-hmm. and we maybe change these on the fly because it's always it's always fun picking the spread and picking them straight up. So Mississippi State nine and a half point favorites at Kansas State. 
spread and then straight up, I've got Kansas State covering. I'm not going to pick against the Wildcats in Manhattan, but I've got Mississippi State winning the game. Too talented. Who you got? Okay, I got Mississippi State covering, getting Nick Fitzgerald back, and winning the game. All right, what's next? Pick it against Bill Snyder. Bill Snyder is going to kill me. Right, he definitely will. I'll, I'll I'll wait I'll wait a couple weeks for his message deliverer to deliver me a sternly worded, well written, handwritten, and then thank you in the end of it somehow. Yes. All right, what's next? Yes. Western Michigan at Michigan. Twenty eight points is the spread in favor of Michigan. I think Michigan's going to get healthy and cover the spread and beat Western Michigan at home. So they win, they cover. I have them winning, obviously, but I don't have them covering. I'm, st- I'm going with the dog to, to cover again. Ooh. Now, I, it could okay. be a 27-point victory, but I, I will believe in the offense now when I see it. And this may be a uh, – development is not linear, as we like to say, inside the pylon. So we may not get what we want to see yet. So I'll go with the, uh, the Broncos to, to cover the spread. That's a winner. Um, last week I went four and four in winners. You went two and oh, you went we two go. and six. It's not the point. Arizona at Houston minus four. N- neither of us have a reason to pick Arizona, but Jeff, I am going to say that someone going home to Air- to Houston, they get right. Khalil Take has a nice breakout game, and Arizona not only wins, they cover. I agree with you. I think we see eye to eye in that one. I think it's another get healthy game. I am so go ahead. No, I was going to go on the next game, but you have another little caveat no, there. No, no, no. I was going to go to the next game, and I was, I'm just looking. Oh, I'm dude. looking at your picks for the first time. That's kind of was reacting to. We've got oh, that's what's we've going got on. Duke, Duke at Northwestern. Northwestern favored by three. I am going based off of my history with Northwestern. I, I clearly, as someone that lives 10 minutes from campus, doesn't really want this to happen, even though I went to Illinois. Um, but trying to put my analyst hat on here, uh, Duke's got a really good team, led by Daniel Jones and Britton Brown, and I think they get a win on the road and cover, obviously. They would cover since they're the underdogs, yep. against Northwestern. See, I'm going to I'm gonna go against Dave Cutcliffe. I'm going to stick with uh, Fitzgerald, Larkin, Thorson Green, those I'm just gonna stick with with the the the, the girl that I brought to the dance. I'm a big Northwestern fan, okay. low key, um, but I think at home by the lake, two academic schools, the Nerd Bowl. I'm gonna go with Notre Dame to win, which means they will cover. Um, and so we'll we'll know for sure who's smarter after this week because we're picking opposite. Georgia minus ten at South mm-hmm. Carolina and. This is my favorite game of the weekend, regardless of point spread. You've got Jake Bentley, Will Muschamp, uh, Debo Samuel hosting um, the juggernaut that is the Georgia Bulldogs. This game reminds me a lot of the game from 2010 when Nick Saban's boys, after winning a national title, go up to South Carolina and lose to Stephen Garcia and, and Steve Spurrier. I'm not. I don't have it in me to pick the Gamecocks to win, but I do have them covering the ten points. I believe they'll give Georgia fits. That crowd gets crazy, and so I think Georgia will win. But I think South Carolina's going to cover. 
I think Georgia's going to win and cover, and I can tell you I don't feel great about it. That's the kind of analysis you look oh. for only on Pile on You. <laughs> Why will Georgia cover? Give me one reason. Why? And, not, and I'm being sarcastic. If there's, if Georgia, if they if they cover, that means they win securely by two scores. So it's a sound victory. If they cover, why will why will that be? Well, we're counting we're counting then at South Carolina's defense to come out and get stops against Fromm and Swift and the guy. And I I have more confidence in Georgia getting stops against the South Carolina offense than I do about the South Carolina defense getting stops against the Georgia defense. Much more confidence. Got it. And I, I just I as much as I love Debo Samuel and I like Jake Bentley, I, I don't think they have the necessary firepower and weapons to take care of, of Georgia. Which I, I don't where's tell me where the pass rush is coming from from South Carolina. It's gonna have to be a collective unit. Does D, is gonna, DJ want him out? I'll have to. I don't think they've. I don't think they've released whether he's out yet. Probably or not. not, since it's it's a short week. So it's but it's a it's, weird week. I don't think they've released the injury report yet. I haven't. I haven't seen that. I have to Google it, and I'm not going to. Uh, yeah. Let's see here. Iowa State at Iowa minus three. Matt okay. Campbell and the gang. David Montgomery going to Ooh. Iowa. I have Iowa State covering, and I have them winning outright okay. at Iowa. Getting their first first game of the year, first win of the year. You looks like you're going opposite. You're going with Ferentz's boys. Go, going the other way. I'm going to go with uh, Ferentz's boys. Nate Stanley taking care of business uh, against Iowa State in the rivalry game at home. So let's uh, go to Clemson, Texas A&M. Now we see eye to eye on this one, and very interesting that we do. Clemson favored by 11 and a half on the road at A&M. We are both picking A&M against the spread, but Clemson to win the game. Shane, what is the key for you in this one? Ball control on offense for Texas A&M to wear down the clock. And I think last week playing Northwestern State was a really good warm-up to get this offense used to playing under center. Um, mm-hmm. And so the way that you do this is you kill the game off, you, you run the ball with Williams, um, you play action, misdirection, Sternburner, the tight end, and you keep Clemson's offense off the field, and then you rely on the twelfth man um, at Texas A&M to get loud and to help your defense make some stops. I think it, it's not. I don't think it'll be a low-scoring game. I think it's going to be played in maybe the tw- high twenties or you know low thirties at, at most. I think Texas A&M obviously loses the game because Clemson is too talented, but they still don't know who, what they're doing at quarterback. It could be Bryant, it could be Lawrence. It's, it's going to be both, but we don't know who's going to take the majority of the snaps. So that could create some mm-hmm. unbalance in the offensive rhythm. That combined with playing on the road and, and playing with a team that's got a week under their belt playing in that type of offense at home, I'm going to go with the Aggies to cover, but I'll go with Clemson to get the win. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think uh, Clemson is going to win the game ultimately. You know, be interesting to see how much uh, Trevor Lawrence plays and Kelly the the split there. I'm I'm guessing they start Bryant again, but uh, I think and I'm strong enough to cover in this one. Uh, before we get to the rest of our pick, Shane, I did want to touch on thank thank our sponsor, mybookie.ag. We got a sponsor, uh, guys. We, start- we do. We're big time. But I mean, ever since we started this podcast. People have been asking me for advice, and I don't know why because I had a bad record last week. But usually it's what's team to bet on. The truth is I don't know who's going to win. None of us do. Shane thinks he does. But you got to check out my bookie. 
remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are in the best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. Only recommend this service to listeners that's been good to me and my bookie has. You win. They pay. In-game, live betting, most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on fantasy points per player which will make things more interesting as I'm losing money on my game bets each week. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar using the promo code PYLON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code PYLON when creating your account. You play, you win, you get paid. Shane, three more games left on the docket. Kentucky at Florida. Florida favored by 14 I've got Florida winning and covering. I know Kentucky's a tough out, but Florida looks like, the after one game, looked pretty sharp under Dan Mullen. Shane, what's your take on this game? Florida's going to win, and it'll be 32 straight times they've beaten Kentucky, but they're not okay. going to cover. Kentucky, really okay. nice football team under Mark Stoops, and Florida got a little bit ahead of themselves last week. They're feeling really confident. They scored a ton of points. Felipe Franks looked really, really good. Dan Mullen looks to be like he's doing another quarterback whispering job with Franks, but the Gators come back down to earth a little bit. Tough first SEC game for the Gators under Dan Mullen. So Florida wins and Kentucky covers. USC at Stanford, minus four and a half. Uh, JT Mm -hmm. Daniels going to Palo Alto. I'm going to have USC covering in this. Last week, last week, Whiteside, you know, Arcega Whiteside looked phenomenal. Costello looked really good. Stanford is obviously built to win a lot of football games this season. I think they win this one. I think this is a a close field goal type game that USC kind of overperforms in maybe a little bit. Stanford gets the win, but four and a half is just high enough for me to think USC. I'm going dogs this week. Week two, teams come back to earth a little bit. I know. This yeah, is something. I'm going I mean, dogs. Eight, eight out of ten picks. Eight out of ten picks, you're picking the dogs covering the spread. Yeah. That's a thing right there, Shane. I think Stanford's going to bounce back. I mean, they look they good in the will. passing game. I think the running game is going to bounce back this week. And a, a tough first road test for JT Daniels. And I think Stanford covers the four and a half points. The last game on the docket, Michigan State six up, uh, favored by six and a half, coming off a tough game as we mentioned earlier against Utah State, going on the road to uh, to Arizona State yep. to face off against that. I think Michigan State. I, I think I think we saw Arizona State in their victory look better than they probably are, and I think we saw Michigan State play worse than they probably are, and I think Michigan State wins and covers. Shane, I'm guessing you're going to dog. I'm going the dog. Herm Edwards, yep. week two at uh, Arizona State. Manny Wilkins, that offense looked pretty good last week. Michigan State on the road playing an, you know, another team that's got some talent. They Again, they looked sluggish last week. I think they're going to come out the gate sluggish again in the desert. They'll ultimately get the win, but I'm taking the home dog in this one. So that pretty much rounds out our show for the week. It's going to be a decent second second week of college football. I know in the past uh, few years there's been some real stinkers week two, but there's some actually really good games this upcoming week. Some stinkers. Yeah, there, I think it was last year, maybe it was year before, there wasn't a top 25 game at all. 
and maybe a couple years running in week yeah. two. It was bad. This year, uh, there's some pretty solid games, so we're going to be looking forward to that. Um, so that wraps it up, I think, right? Yeah, man. This We'll be back with you guys next week. Uh, like always, check out everything going on at InsideThePylon.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I am at Jeff underscore Fair. Jeff, Shane, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter. It's S Alexander CFB. Uh, I've had that Twitter at for a couple of weeks now. Changed it, so it's S Alexander CFB. And you can find our weekly Pylon U article online at InsideThePylon.com. We give you our full top twenty-five ranking plus our next ten out. We give you our top ten Heisman. Uh, we have a new segment called Four Downs. We're really diving to the four big things we took away from the previous week. And then we have um, this 10-second segment where we're going to break down just 10 quick hitters, um, tidbits of info for you to take into, into the next college football week. So be on the lookout for that. And um, I think that's that's is, that does it. Is Coach is Coach Ed O signing us off? Yeah, Coach Ed is. Okay. Go Tigers. Guys, subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we'll see you guys next week on Pile on You.